listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's gonna be scary. Not for us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I am one of your hosts, LaShar Binkley. You can find me at Space City Scoop. I am the director of basketball for Overtime Heroics. And of course, you can find me on Clutch City Control Room as a contributor. You can also find me on Twitter at H-Town for Life, 40 all caps. And I'm your second host, Anthony Duckett, site expert for Space City Scoop. And you can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or if you ever listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Okay, Anthony. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about a great win in game two for the Rockets where they take a 2-0 lead. Um, we'll be going over some of the keys that we saw in this game, how the Rockets pulled out this win. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about uh, when we think Rush should actually come back, especially with the Rockets up two games to zero and then just kind of preview game three, which, of course, if the Rockets can pull that game out, it kind of just puts a stranglehold on the entire series. So let's, let's go ahead and get started on. So, Anthony, what, what, do you, what did you see as the keys to the Rockets pulling out this 13-point win? Well, for starters, I like that they clamped down on defense. Uh, in the first half, you know, it, it just seemed like the Rockets just they, – they really struggled to get stops. They struggled to make baskets. Uh, second half, though, they came out with a lot different intensity on defensive end. Uh, and they all, I also was impressed at how they, you know, they weren't afraid to mix it up on offense. We saw some mid-range shots, some, some drives to the basket. Yes. It wasn't necessarily just all three-point shooting like we've grown accustomed to in the past. Oh, well, don't let Daryl Moore hear you say a mid-range shot. He, he may <laughs> kind of go crazy on that. But, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. I mean, the first half, they had 59 points. And it kind of seemed like OKC adjustments that kind of made a huge difference. But in that second half, they held them to 39 points, which is just is awesome in any game, especially a playoff game. And, I mean, the Rocks were flying all over the court. Um, it helps when you got people like Lou Dort, who, who you would leave wide open pretty much 100% of the time. And if he makes a right. shot, you know, you kind of just say, well, good for them. But you don't worry too much about him going, you know, 8 for 10 from three-point range. I mean, the Rockets struggle for, with their own shot, but their defense just seemed to make all the difference. I mean, when you miss 15 threes in a row and you're still only down three or four points, I mean, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, no doubt. And kind of like you mentioned, I mean, Dort, you know, of course Dort has obviously proven to be a solid defender, especially yes. on Harden. But, you know, on the flip side of that coin, like you said, Dort struggles on the offensive end. So I knew at some point if they were trying to stage a comeback, they'd pull him out. And they did in the fourth quarter, and they put Schroeder on hard, and it was just instant buckets, yes. instant buckets. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that mid-range shot that we were talking about, I don't know about you, but I would love to see that more 
Um, I know it's a little bit harder with Dort because, I mean, he's built like a linebacker. So it's not <laughs> easy for Harden to post him up. But anytime Paul or Schroeder or, I mean, any Gallinari, yeah, any of them are on him, I would go straight to that post up. And also it's just less less taxing on on Harden having to try to keep taking people off the dribble. And, and you kind of saw in this game where their defense was a little bit different, uh, OKC, everybody was had a foot in the lane. So they were pretty much packing in the lane, and they weren't going to let Harden just continue to go one-on-one like he did in game one. Right, and, I mean, we knew that was, that was going to come at some point in the series. I mean, I was surprised, that, you know, at how, at how they defended him in game one. I knew that was not going to be the way for them to even, you know, be able to, to contest uh, his shots or even stay in the series. So, you know, I thought they were going to double-team Harden. They, they, they still show a lot of confidence in, in Dort one-on-one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in general, what, what, what I love is, you know, I like seeing the Rockets drive more. I've always felt like, you know, if the outside shot's not falling, it doesn't make sense to keep taking them. You know, you yes. got to drive more. And, and Gordon, when he was getting to the basket, you know, especially really this whole series, Gordon getting to the basket, that, that's, really, that's really been his money. He's a lot quicker, a lot more athletic, uh, and, it, and it, you know, it shows off, and it benefits him in driving to the basket. Yeah, and I, I think people kind of – um, make too much of a deal about Harden driving to the basket. It's, it's a lot harder for Harden to drive to the basket because everybody is focusing on him. But I agree, like, people like Gordon and House and uh, even – Yeah, Covington, even you know, especially Green, they should be – anytime their shots are off, they should be trying to go to the basket every single time because they're not going to have the same attention as Harden. So they're right. going to have a more wide-open lane. And, and like you say, you saw that with Gordon – he didn't make not he didn't make a single three the entire game I don't think right. so over ten over ten and he all his points came from driving to the basket because I mean that's one thing um, people don't talk enough about Gordon is he's probably one of the strongest players on their team and him getting to the basket that's his, that's exactly how he needs to uh, you know continue to try to score until he you know hopefully gets his shot back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, you know. So he went he went six of ten when he you know on nine threes, right? Sixty percent when he's away from the three point line, but he still chucked up ten of them and he missed all ten. It's like, <laughs> at what point? At what point do you start to realize this isn't working, you know? But everything else for me is working, especially as it pertains to the scoring. Yeah, and and you look at it, it's so crazy. It was zero for ten from three, which is kind of Trevor Ariza range. Um, but he was plus 23, um, highest on the entire team, which lets you know that his defense was great. He was driving to the basket. I mean, Eric Gordon even had four assists, which, you know, that's that's like probably maybe a season high for Eric Gordon when it comes to assists. So, I mean, he had a good game, everything outside of, you know, shooting up 10 threes. But also that's kind of what OKC was willing to give up. I I mean – if you look at it, they're willing to give up Tucker shooting threes, covering pretty much everybody else except for Harden. And Tucker, you know, speaking of Tucker, I mean, he had a great game. He was four for four from three, played great defense. I mean, pretty much did everything. Yeah, 14 points, which is, I mean, huge for uh, Tucker. So I think we definitely need to give some credit to Tucker because it's been a while since he had this good of a shooting game. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, uh, we don't normally see Tucker in, in the double figures. You know, I mean, he shot 100% from three, four, four, you know, five or seven, you know, from the field all around. Five rebounds is big, too. Yeah. You know, 
uh, Tucker played great defense. What I didn't like though is I didn't like the the, the ticky tack fouls they were called. Oh yes, yes. You know uh, that's the, they kind of got Tucker with that. He had four fouls. Harden had four fouls. Um, Covington had three fouls. You know that I don't. I've said it before. I don't think that in the bubble, especially in the postseason, you know, fans don't want to see you know you know cheap fouls or you know um, key players out because of fouls that were kind of questionable. You know. Uh, there, there was one in the second quarter where Tucker had his hands behind his back, uh, <laughs> and, and they and they still caught a foul. Uh, I, I think it was uh, it was on Gildas Alexander what was shooting uh, from from the mid range. I want to say or the corner. Um, and then they also had a, they should have called a offensive foul um, or, or on the first quarter. I think Jeff Green what was was uh, he actually drew a charge, but they called a blocking foul on him. I thought that was kind of bogus also. Yeah, and not to go off too far off on a, a tangent here, but yeah. on, the foul, on the foul calls, do you think it's any difference because there's no fans and the refs are are almost even more bolder in their foul calls? Because I got to imagine some of these calls would not even been made if they were playing in Houston because I, I think that was a lot of the reason why the Rockets struggled on defense in the first half because it was so many ticky-tack fouls and, and yeah. OKC was able to get a lot of free throws in the first half and then you kind of saw right. the second half that kind of fell off. Well, I mean, so that that's a good point. You know, that that could that could be the reason. But I'll tell you what, though, based on how the first half went, I knew that OKC was in trouble because the Rockets were only down six, and they didn't play great at all in the first half yeah. at all. Yeah, and I mean, that's what I was looking at. It's like they were only down uh, a few points shooting horrible. I right. mean, like we said, at one point missed 15 straight threes, and then you're playing without Westbrook. Right. And you're still in the game. I, I gotta believe that was like really disheartening for OKC. They look up at the scoreboard. The Rockets shot actually worse than they did last game, and you're still barely winning the game. We all knew eventually the Rockets were gonna go on some type of streak, and that's exactly what happened with the bench. Um, right. But but let me ask you, the Rockets' defense on Chris Paul was just was great. It was great through the first three quarters last game. He really got most of his points like in garbage time. Exactly. Um, in the fourth quarter. Um, what do you see? Do you see kind of what I see is the same problem he had last year where he just can't get by guys. And earlier in the year when they were beating the Rockets, it was because they were seeking out Clint Capella. And now you have Jeff Green, who's a much better on ball defender. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely starting to see it. <laughs> well, not starting, but in this series, we've definitely seen. The Chris Paul we had, you know, last season, um, when the trade was made, a lot of people were like, oh, why'd you do that? And even still now, a lot of people still feel like, you know, it, it wasn't the best move to trade CP3 for Westbrook because he played well throughout the regular season, fairly well enough. You know, he led a young group of guys into the postseason, you know, fifth seed. Uh, and they had a, you know, very small chance of making the postseason based on experts who are never right, by the way. <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. Except for us, we're we're always right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, in this series, we're starting to see the Chris Paul of last season, where he struggled to you know blow blow past his man. He struggled to create space, you know. Um, and then <laughs> especially today, he's you know pouting to the officials. Yes. I mean, so I love it. I, I love seeing it, obviously, with him on the other side. But it's painful because it does remind me of you know the CP3 that we had in 2018-19. Yeah, I mean. That very first season when, of course, they should have won the championship. I mean, that was probably Chris Paul's best, not maybe uh, year as far as stats, but 
overall his impact, that was probably impact, his yeah. best year. And that would probably be his best year going forward because he can't blow by people anymore. And I know the stat that kind of just drives me crazy every time I hear the national media bring it up is about how clutch Chris Paul has been. Um, they have Oklahoma City has played a lot of close games, which means you get in a lot of clutch situations. So right. anytime they bring up that stat, they bring up the total points that he scored in the fourth, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but they were kind of making that as a reason why he should be in the top five MVP voting, which yeah. which is all kind of crazy because if you look at the stats of the clutch uh, players in the league, three or five, three of the top five are all from Oklahoma City. So that tells you they've been in a lot of close games, which is great. But they also have one of the worst records in the playoffs of, uh, against winning teams. And to me, that's a big factor because that kind of just tells you when they're up against better teams, they're not winning those games. And that's what kind of just made me kind of perplexed of why everybody was so scared of Oklahoma City. Because, <laughs> I mean, the Rockets, to me, are just a better team. Even without Westbrook, to me, they're still a better team because they have the best player. Yeah, so a couple of things you hit on there that I definitely agree with. Um, for starters, you know, the Chris Paul love, the thing is, you know, the media, once they develop a narrative about a player, man, that, that becomes infectious to, you know, a lot of fans because a lot of fans who are relying on, you know, these media personalities like your ESPN or, yes. you know, uh, uh, Sirius XM radio host, you know, a lot of those guys, FS1 host, you know, the fans, a, a lot of fans feel like these guys are more educated than they are which is wrong, but <laughs> since they feel like that, they, they, they kind of take what these guys say, you know, for gold, as gold. So, you know, we start, like you said, we start hearing about Chris Paul clutch statistics, and, and I, I even heard a couple guys say they think he should win the MVP. <laughs> um, yes. And, you know, and, and, and I get it. You know, he took a team, you know, rallied a team. Uh, I think a very talented team, but I do understand he took a team that many people did not expect to do much uh, because they had just got rid of Paul George and Russell Westbrook. You know, they dismantled their core, essentially. Um, but, again, you know, you, they still had Gallinari who can shoot. They still had Schroeder who, who's good off the bench. You know, um, they got Gilles Alexander back from the Clippers, you know, uh, who he stepped up. So Chris Paul played well this season. But I think more of the love that he's gotten is more so about narrative forming. Yeah. Um, but but like you said, I, I also thought even when, when the Russell Westbrook injury news, you know, happened, my thought process was we can still pull this out because I just believe that Eric Gordon, Ben McLemore, Austin Rivers, I mean, if all we're asking for is each guy, each guy to get hot for one game apiece, I mean, granted, it's not that easy, but at the same token, I, we've seen Rivers can take over games. You know, we've definitely seen playoff Eric Gordon, which which it should be his permanent name in the playoffs, <laughs> playoff EG, because <laughs> yes. that's a different player. And, you know, and McLemore, now last game, McLemore played lights out. Tonight he didn't play as, you know, his shot didn't fall as, as much. Um, but I just like, again, that trio, and I love Rivers played great tonight. Rivers took the game over. Rivers yes. took the game over. And it's, I think it was second second quarter second or was it quarter. third quarter? Yeah, it was second quarter. quarter. Yeah. He, he was dunking on people. He, 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 you know, I saw him hitting threes, talking trash. Was it, was it Daryl Moore he was talking trash to? I was wondering, was he saying, I need a bigger contract? Probably so. Um, but, yeah, so I agree with you when it comes to, you know, and you have the best player in this series. Even though Harden's shot wasn't falling, he still managed to contribute other ways you know, and he was a closer down the stretch, like we all expect. 
Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's the thing uh, we've spoken about before. What people didn't realize when Westbrook was out um, was that the Rockets' offense doesn't change. It's still Harden. It's still pe- four people surrounding him, and it's still the other team double-teaming him. So it's a little bit different when Westbrook's there because he's more of an outlet to Harden um, being at the top of the key. But when Westbrook's not there, they have their offense really doesn't change that much. Um, actually, you have more space because you have four shooters on the court. Right. Um, where the where Hart, uh, Westbrook is missed is kind of when the Rockets were going cold from three, when they were missed those 15 threes in a row. At that point, you know Westbrook would have just took it straight to the hole off right. of a fast break, off of just a half-court set. That's kind of right. where they miss Westbrook. But as overall, their overall offense doesn't really change that much whether Westbrook is there or not. Now, don't get me wrong. They may not need him this series, but wherever they play in the second series, he absolutely has to be there. But for now, um, I think they can get by in this series uh, without Westbrook even coming back, which, of course, we'll kind of talk a little bit more in the second segment about. But um, it's just huge having people like Rivers being able to take over. And and we definitely need to get House some love because I know I've been one to criticize House (laughs) several times. He played probably his best game of the year, you know, considering the importance of the game. And he was a plus 19. He was uh, 6 of 13 from the field, which lets me know he was aggressive because that's always kind of been the biggest thing with House is kind of being passive. And he had, like, nine huge rebounds. And, I mean, his on-ball defense is just – I think his defense has probably been the biggest improvement for him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, When it comes to House, I think it was a tale of two halves because first half – I mean, he was missing shots. At one point, he, he was timid. He passed up a wide-open yes. three-pointer in a corner. Um, and I was like, did he just pass? Does he, does he have to think about that shot? Does he really just turn that shot down? You know, but like you said, second half, he was a lot more aggressive. Um, his, his, his defense was, 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 was huge. He was, you know, making shots from three. Second half, um, now rebounds, you know, led the team. You know, we figured without Russ, the Rockets are going to have to make up for rebounding in that department. And the first game, James Harden had 11 boards. Um, this game, you know, Daniel House was, was the leading rebounder for the Rockets, nine boards. And I think uh, Stephen Adams only had maybe 11 boards in today's yeah, game. only 11 rebounds. Which is crazy that Daniel House almost had as many rebounds as Stephen Adams did. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. The Rockets were only out-rebounded by seven this game after only 10 the last game. And if you are a team facing the Rockets and you can't destroy them on the boards and you're not a natural low post team like most teams aren't anymore, you're probably going to lose. If teams aren't beating the Rockets by 20, 30 rebounds, you're really in trouble because that means that the Rockets are going to get more shots than you. And that means the Rockets will get more three-pointers than you, which probably means that they're going to you know, ultimately get more points than you. Because in this game, the Rockets actually had 12 more shots than Oklahoma City. So when you're both shooting bad, but the Rockets are making threes and Oklahoma right. City is taking mid-range shots, you kind of see what the results are. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point. You know, coming into this series, it wasn't discussed enough that both teams really aren't good three-point shooting teams. Yes. I mean, the Rockets shot, I think, 34.5% during the season. OKC shot 35.5%. So, you know, they're neck and neck. Uh, even in today's game, OKC shot 34.4%. Rockets shot 33.9%. But the difference is the Rockets had 19 threes. OKC had 11. Exactly. That's 24 points right there, yeah. you know? 
So, I mean, with the amount that they shoot, even if, even if they only shoot, you know, like you said, 34%, if they're letting off 60, you know, or, well, I think in this game they let off 56. Yes. Um, you know, if they're letting off that many threes, if they, you know, they don't have to shoot 40%. They can shoot 34, 35 against this team. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because if you look at it overall uh, season stats, the Rockets, um, of course, are number one in three-point attempts. Oklahoma City is close to last. So if you're now rebounding them and then you're trying to stay with them in a three-point shooting contest, you're probably going to lose. Because um, the Rockets, as we know, they were actually on pace. I, if I'm not mistaken, they were on pace but up like 73s. <laughs> um, <laughs> after the first half. They had put up like 35 threes in the first half. So you're not going to beat the Rockets in a three-point shooting contest unless you're the Warriors. That's because right. they had the great shooters. Yeah. But I, nobody else in the West, you're really going to worry about them losing a three-point contest, probably other than maybe the Mavericks. Um, so if the Rockets can stay within that range uh, in the rebounding, um, I really don't – I actually gave OKC two games. And just so everybody knows um, – Myself and Anthony, we both picked the Rockets in six, so this isn't like revisionist history or anything. <laughs> um, but I actually gave them two games, and the way it's looking, now don't get me wrong, Thunder is still a good team, so you know you don't want to take them lightly. But I mean, if they can't beat the Rockets now, especially as bad they were shooting, I, I just don't see how this game, this series, go past five now. And the biggest thing to, today is the Rockets only had seven turnovers. I mean, if the yeah. Rockets only have seven turnovers. I mean, really, to be honest, anything else, they're going to probably still win. Yeah. Seven turnovers. I mean, because like I said, they didn't shoot great, but they didn't turn the ball over. Now, second half, you know, like I said, the defense clamped down, and, and those non-hardened minutes down the stretch were huge. Yes, Man, they definitely. were huge. You know? Yeah, I mean, that definitely made a huge difference. When Harden can rest, he doesn't have to play 45 minutes in a game. Uh, that makes a huge difference. I mean, he actually only played 36 minutes, which is great for Harden. Um, that's something definitely going forward. If they can continue that, even when uh, Westbrook gets back, that's huge. And um, in the second half, we're a second part of our, our podcast, we're actually going to be discussing uh, previewing game three, um, where, of course, like we said earlier, Rocks can kind of just take a string of hold on the series. And also, um, with the Rocks up 2-0, we're going to discuss when we would bring Westbrook back in his first round, if we would even bring him back in the first round. We'll go over all of that, uh, so please stay tuned. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. 5G from AT&T is fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. So, should you switch? Well, historically, those were the reasons new tech was adopted. Neanderthals saw that fire heated things fast and made their caves secure from rampaging woolly mammoths. The ancient Romans saw that the aqueducts were a reliable and fast way to transport water, so they stopped carrying water jugs on their backs and adopted them nationwide. Oh, and uh, 1800s Victorians saw electricity light up rooms fast and be more reliable than candles blowing out, so they stopped bumping into walls and made it nationwide. Today is no different. Switching to AT&T 5G is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, historically speaking, it's smarter than candles, water pots, and hungry dinosaurs. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. And we are back for the second half for the final segment of the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy our show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Uh, for the second half of our uh, podcast, we're going to be discussing a preview of Game 3 
and also when will be the right time for the Rockets or what they should do regarding Russell Westbrook's return for this series. But we'll start off with uh, game three. What are your thoughts on what we should expect to see in the next game? So I don't actually think Oklahoma City is going to change too much. Um, I think they're still going to pack the paint on Harden. Um, they're going to force other Rockets to beat them. And I think they're going to kind of bank on that they're going to make more shots next game. Um, I do think that Chris Paul is probably going to take it, be more aggressive coming into this uh, next game because he knows going down 3-0, um, the series is pretty much over. So I don't really see the Thunder changing too much because they actually did a good job on Harden. Um, I just think that uh, the Rockets' defense was this uh, was so, uh, made such a big difference. I think that's the reason why the Rockets won this game. So actually, the, the Thunder defense was actually pretty good this game. So I don't really see them changing too much with that. I just think that Chris Paul is probably going to be a little bit more aggressive. Honestly, they may um, they may even make a lineup change as far as maybe putting a Schroeder in there, but um, there's not really too much they can really change because that's, that's just kind of their team. Their team that takes a lot of mid-range shots, doesn't take a lot of threes, kind of banks on their defense. So I don't really see too much changing between game two and three as far as adjustments. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, the Thunder, they really overachieved in the fact that they even are, are made it here. You know, fifth seed, they were not – like I said, they, I think they were like 0.02% chance of making it, you know, to the playoffs at all. So, they are they really overachieved. Like you said, you know, their roster is, is what it is. They, they don't really have the ability to do too much. Um, I, I do think that Chris Paul may take it personal, you know, going down 0-3 to his former team. You know, I actually am surprised he looked this bad – well, I won't say bad, but I'll just say he hasn't been as impactful as I would have thought. Yes. I, I personally thought he would have taken it personal, like, you know, um, because they traded me. And we know Chris Paul's kind of pit bull mentality. So that's kind of what I expected. But as far as their defensive strategy, I mean, I guess the only thing that, you know, maybe you're onto something that maybe they, they might insert Schroeder in the starting lineup. Um, if they do that, in my opinion, that means they're going to they're probably double harden because – Dort was really their best one-on-one defender. And, he, you know, he did – he held his own today. Yes. Um, although I don't think that Harden's struggles were entirely on Dort. But he played a part in that for sure. So, in my opinion, if they if they decide to to bench Dort and start Schroeder, that means we're going to see a lot more double teams in game three. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up about Dort. Dort did a great job. He He stayed in front of Harden as much as he could. Um, but I, it's something that definitely I, I want to point out is that York did a good job, but also it was several times Harden got by him, and it was it was literally three or four Thunder in the paint waiting for him. So a lot of times people want Harden just just why don't he drive to the basket? Why don't he drive to the basket? Um, if you go back and look at some of the plays, it was a couple plays where um, some of the OKC Thunder weren't even guarding anybody else; they were overloading Harden's side. <laughs> And anytime he drove, there was two or three players waiting for him. So um, I, I just think that they may look at it more like we need more offense, and that's why they may insert him in. Um, but as far as their defense, actually this game, their defense was really good. Um, they forced the Rockets to exactly what they wanted. They wanted everybody else to beat them but Harden. And that's kind of ha- what happened with that run. Um, yeah. uh, Jeff Green, uh, House. P.J. Tucker, if they are hitting their shots, 
honestly, like we like I think we said before, um, if the Rockets are hitting anywhere between 37 and 42 percent from three, um, nobody's beating them. Nobody in the league is going to beat them. And I think it was some crazy stat where if the Rockets shoot over 40 percent, they they may have lost like one game the entire year from three. So. If they're making their shots, it really doesn't matter what the other team is, is doing. And I think that Tony's mentioned that a lot. They don't really care what other teams do to adjust because they're going to play their game regardless. They're going to have their five wings out there. They're going to shoot the threes. So whatever adjustments they make, it's probably not going to really make that much of a difference. It's, this is really a case of the Rockets make their shots. If they're not making their shots, if they play stifling defense like they did today, they can pretty much be in any game. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. You know, like we said, the Rockets, you know, they're going to play their style. They're going to play their way. You know, if, if they're making, like you said, 37, I mean, even today, I mean, not, not even 34%, you know, because of how much they're going to let off. And they're going to play that way. But I don't I worry about, I really worry about them taking a day off or taking the game off in theory, you know, um, or not to say taking the game off, but I worry about them not playing with the same level of focus, you yes. know, in, in, in a game three. Because, uh, I mean, really, you think about it, the way I look at game three, if you're up 2-0 and you close out game three, I mean, to me, game three is a closeout game. Because, I mean, obviously, the series won't end at, after three wins. But really, to be honest, I mean, if you go up – there there have been some exceptions. But for the most part, if you go up 3-0, the series is pretty much over. Whether it's a sweep or even a gentleman's sweep in five, you know, you go up 3-0, it's really series is pretty much over for the most part. So really in that asset aspect, game three can be viewed as a closeout game. That's the, you know, the other team's best opportunity to 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 fight back. Cause once if they're down 0-3, then it's it's a demoralizing loss. So that's the reason why I think that game three is for especially in this case, is really important. You don't want to let the Thunder get any kind of false hope uh, or false sense of security. You know, you don't want, you know, Chris Paul to have any kind of retribution game. Um, and truth be told, I, I, I think we're going to be okay there because today's game wasn't great. It, it, was, it was an ugly win. <laughs> it was definitely an ugly <laughs> win. And, and, you know, in the postseason, you have to be able to have those wins. You have to be able to, you know, steal some, some ugly wins, games that, that are gritty, games that were tough, that, you know, weren't necessarily pleasing to watch. You know, and the Rockets, the Rockets did that tonight. So um, I feel – I feel great about this, obviously, series, you know, going, you know, ending in six or seven. I, th- I think I said seven initially. Okay. Once I first found out about the Westbrook quad injury, I think yeah. I changed it to seven. Um, but, you know, obviously the first two games have gone a lot better than I thought they would have. Um, so my hope is that game three, you know, we play with the same level of intensity, same level of focus, you know, um, and, and don't allow – OKC or Chris Paul or Gallinari especially to get hot. Yeah, and, and another huge factor in going on 3-0 is usually when you're the home team and you went up 2-0, you still have to go on the road and you still have to go to their crowd and their crowd is going to be hyped up and, and the home team is going to get that, that energy even though they're down 2-0. Now you look at it, there's no home crowd to get the Thunder going. And the Thunder probably have one of the best home court advantages in the league. Right. So now you don't have that energy. Um, you're still going to be playing, you know, in the bubble. You're still going to be playing in a neutral site. So I think that's kind of a, a huge deal is that they don't, they're not going to have that home crowd to boost them up. They're going to have to find a way just to beat the Rockets, uh, you know, on a neutral court. And so I think that's a huge factor, especially 
like you mentioned before, you go up 3-0. I don't, actually, I don't think any teams came back in the NBA in history and uh, being down 0-3. So you go up 3-0, the series is pretty much over. And then that's kind of, you know, where you can kind of start wondering how you want to do with Westbrook, um, whether you want to bring him back to or not. And um, I, that kind of leads into that. What What is your feeling on if the Rockets go up 3-0, would you even – bring Westbrook back at all? Even if the Thunder win, let's say, the, the two, next two games after that, would you even consider bringing Westbrook back if it's like 3-2? Uh, well, that's an interesting scenario. If it's if it's 3 – if the Rockets end up going up 3-2, uh, I think they they would probably feel forced to play Russ because at that point they would probably would feel like they would allow OKC to get back in the series. But, I mean, based on the way the first two games have gone, I feel pretty confident that – so I've always said that was, you know, soft tissue injury, a quad injury, that thing can get re-aggravated easily, man, easily. Yes. The la- and, and I know that Russ is a dog. He's a warrior. He's going to want to get out there. I'm sure he probably would push it at 80%. But if I'm the Rockets, I would do not want Russ to push it anything less than 100%. Whatever that means, however much time that takes. I, I mean, as, as far as this series goes, they've looked great without him. But in general, I do not want – because like you said, the next round, whether it's, you know, Lakers, especially if it's Lakers, but it was Lakers or uh, or Portland, you're going to need Russ to beat all systems go that series. And we've already realized, we've seen that we can beat this OKC team, you know, while, while playing ugly, you know, yes. um, or, or while Harden has an off night or, you know, whatever have you. So it's like like, like what you were hitting on, I don't, I don't think that the Rockets should worry about playing Russ. If they if they end up going up three two, I'm sure they will though. But I don't think that would be the right call. Yeah, and like you say, I don't see it going three two. I mean, honestly, at this point, I mean, it may not even go five. But I can see at the most going five games. And if that's the case, um, I don't see I don't really see too much of a scenario where, um, especially if they win this next game, I don't see any scenario where Westbrook is even going to have to play this round. And I mean, that would be great because if you think about it. Um, Lakers Portland series is at least going five games. It could definitely go six or seven. So that's even more time for Westbrook um, to heal. And if you have a healthy Westbrook going into round two, um, I won't get too far ahead, but I mean, yeah. confidence around Houston may be at, you know, 2017, 2018 levels because I mean, with the team around them, um, to me, anyway, this is probably the best Rockets bench I've seen probably in the last 10 or 15 years, probably going back to even the 90s. I mean, they have multiple players that can step up without Westbrook. So I don't really think there's any reason that Westbrook should be any more than a cheerleader. And speaking of being a cheerleader, it kind of looks like his uh, quad is doing okay because <laughs> he really jumps <laughs> off that bench a lot. So he yeah. looks like he's doing all right right now. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what though? I, I actually love seeing that man. Yeah. I, I really love seeing him him cheering, you know, team on on the sidelines. You know, uh, at one point I even saw him coaching the guys up, and you know, yeah. he could tell he had their full attention in the huddle. You know, yes. Um, so so that was awesome. I I I really love seeing that. But going back to what you said, uh, you know, obviously he's he's bouncing up around, up and down. You know, getting the ref spaces. You know, um, doing shooting demonstrations. He's been shooting, I think, for like the last couple of days. Yeah, um, been for a few days now. Yeah. So I mean, he uh, it, it, it's to me. I'm sure he probably could give it a go if they needed him to. 
but they're being precautionary, my opinion at least, which is the right call because, you know, like we're saying, they could they can, they can win this series without Russ. Yeah, and uh, we have a few minutes left here, but real quickly, I, I kind of – you were mentioning about uh, Russ coaching on the sidelines. Um, do you see any difference as far as him being able to go to Harden and say, hey, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right, something that – we all know now that Chris Paul could never do pretty much. I don't know if any other player, maybe outside, maybe Tucker can do, can go to Harden and say, Hey, you need to slow down on this or you need to do that. Do you see that as a huge difference between this team and especially like last year's team? Yeah, definitely. And I think Daniel House even said it in the post game. He's like, you know, this team, we have great relationships and you know, we can criticize one another, turn into positive energy. That's obviously something that Chris Paul, you know, and Harden, I mean, they're at different points in their careers. TP3 is a little bit older. So, you know, he probably felt like he should have been, a, you know, the elder statesman, the elder voice, whereas Russ and Harden, we know they've been friends since they were kids. Yeah. Um, and there have been a few times throughout the season where Russ will tell Harden, hey, you know, don't make that pass. Or, hey, man, you got to do this differently, do this better. You know, so, so the short answer to your question is, yeah, I do think that makes a big difference because, you know, we've seen on both ends, you know, Harden can go to Russ and criticize him. And Russ isn't known to be someone that, you know, that uh, that would just, you know, um, I, I won't say that I would just take criticism, but Russ isn't known to be someone that that's, that you can approach and say, hey, man, get it together, you know. But with Harden and Russ, we, they, we've seen this season, they've both been able to tell each other things like that and not take it personal. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, that makes a huge difference anytime you have a superstar because, I mean, let's be honest, um, maybe D'Antoni can do that, but um, I don't really see D'Antoni as that type of coach where he's going to get in players' faces, especially Harden's face, and tell him, yeah, you need to slow down on the three-pointers, or yeah, your defense is kind of lacking, you need to pick it up. I, I just think that Westbrook is that other alpha, alpha male, alpha dog that can go up to Harden and say, hey, you need to pick it up, we all need to pick it up, and they'll actually listen to him. So yeah, I think that makes a huge difference. And we to wrap everything up, how do you see game three going? Do you have the Rockets going up 3-0? I do. I think the Rockets will pull out um, a, a tightly, you know, a tight win. I think OKC is going to probably give their best shot, but I don't think they have the manpower and the horses. So I think I think it's going to be a close game, you know, kind of like today it was a close game, uh, and maybe even closer. But I think the Rockets are still, still, still game three. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I, I think their effort's going to be there for OKC, but like you said, they just don't have the players that can do it. They have a lot of good players, but they don't have a player that can just absolutely take over a game. This isn't Chris Paul from two or three years ago. Um, you have people like Gallinari, who's a good player, but you're not going to see them just going off for 40, 50 points like, you know, like a Donovan Mitchell or somebody and just completely take over a game. So I think they're going to give it a good effort. But yeah, the way this series is going – and kind of the trajectory of how the first two games have went, I think the Rockets will pull out this game just like they have the other two and go up 3-0. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I definitely want to thank Anthony for joining me. It was great, as always. Likewise. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to having you 
back for our next episode of Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.